Welcome to episode 19 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men, the animated series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod, and you can check me out on rodkim.com. It's as 90s as it gets. And I'm JC, also known as John Carl, and you can find me on social media at the John Carl, T-H-E-J-O-H-N-C-A-R-L-E. And I have to specify that for the motorcycle driver outside. Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly series where we go back and watch every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men the Animated Series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97 coming to Disney Plus next year. Probably. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Some quick reminders. We're a recap show about a series that came out over 29 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil it for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, and come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. And we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. Uh, about the spoilers thing, though, I know that used to be kind of a funny thing. It's like, oh, this show is almost 30 years old. Why would it be a spoiler? I'm genuinely hitting episodes now where I don't remember half these things. So these very well could be spoilers. Yeah, and we have heard through some of our <laughs> listeners who've reached out to us. Shout out to you guys who have started re-watching the episodes alongside us. And because it's really hard to remember every detail of a show that you have not like watched in three decades. So some of the moments are actually like experience thing again, almost for the first time. Yeah. So, cause unlike watching your favorite movie as a kid, you weren't watching every episode. You didn't have a VHS of every episode to watch. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe the debut episode or the uh, premiere episode and stuff like that. So, and then they had like select episodes that are available later on VHS. Exactly. But sometimes the episodes like this were not in that lineup. So don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook. And of course, make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast services. I would be shocked if you found us by following our Facebook page and heard the podcast service on Facebook, which most of us didn't know exists, but it does send you push notifications. So at least there's that. And finally, we are recording these episodes in batches right now. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series or referencing something that we posted to social media, what may be in real time eight weeks ago, or you notice I get progressively drunker throughout the recording session, that's why. <laughs> Now onto the show. Today we're going to be talking about season two, episode ten, titled "Beauty and the Beast." It aired on January fifteenth, nineteen ninety four, and currently sits at a seven point nine star rating on IMDb. This got a higher rating than which one did we just watch? <laughs> like a literal, like, literal goldfish. <laughs> yeah, there was a few episodes. Was it? I think uh, Gambit's episode that was like a seven or something. Yeah. So we in this session we had the the Gambit episode, which came in at a just a straight up seven, Seven. which I agree with. We crossed over the eights for the Time Fugitives episode. And then we had a 7.8 in A Rogue's Tale. So it's not a dramatic difference. It's just wild that it's like almost a point above that, because these these seem similar on par to me, these two, but we'll get into why. Belladonna's a really shitty villain. (laughs) There's one person who's offended by hearing that, and most people have already forgotten about her by now. Now onto the show. Oh, wait, so we already did that. <laughs> Goldfish. Okay, so we start off super subtle. There's a building that says Eye Clinic in eight foot tall letters, or probably high, bigger, I don't know. Beast is in there with Dr. Alec Bolson, which I only know the name of because of the captions. It is a multi-tier hospital dedicated to eyes. Like, that was like... yeah. 
like multiple floors. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they even reference to it. They reference it later as a hospital. So I was like, clinic? Sure. Same thing. Dr. Alec is being kind of shady. With- Inter- International Animation Studio. Yeah. <laughs> and Dr. Alec is being kind of shady. A couple walks in. They kind of make eyes at each other. We don't really know why. I fear later they're not really a couple. Yeah, there's just like this awkwardness that that happens with Beast and and Alec in the room with these these two other doctors, mm-hmm. essentially. And they check in on a blind girl. We learn her name is Carly. And we figure out that Beast and Carly are pretty close. For a second, we just assume that it's just because it's, a, you know, Hank is a doctor that's working very closely with Carly. And then Beast blushes through the fur on his face. So that's really impressive. And they talk about this miraculous operation that's going to give her her sight that Beast and Dr. Alec have been working on. Yeah, it's going to let her actually see. And right which, about- which I got the impression that she was somebody who has been blind from birth. Yeah. As opposed to somebody who has had an accident or degradation of, of their, their sight. It was very much the she has never actually been able to see. Yeah. And right around that time, the clinic gets attacked. And so Beast saves Carly first. And then... I, I would argue that is the right yeah, thing Yeah, it's the right do. decision. You, you get the person who cannot see yeah. outside best. At the moment, I was like, wow, he just saved her and then just like left out with the rest of them in there. But he does go back for Dr. Alec. And he doesn't do a great job of communicating to her. Like, I will be right back. I just need to get Dr. Alec. Yeah, he just leaves a blind He just girl. kind of leaves her outside for like five <laughs> seconds by herself, which is super awkward. But he comes back quick. Then we figure out the Friends of Humanity are attacking. It's a little bit confusing, though, because the Friends of Humanity that we see show up are just like picketing. But someone fired like a missile launcher at the building or something. Well, just for clarity, if if you're listening to this and have not actually watched the episode, the building just starts shaking as if something like blew up. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Oh, that's true. If it was specifically a missile launcher. Yeah. To Rod's point. In this series, it's probably a laser. Yeah, but lasers don't <laughs> blow stuff up. They don't make explosions. I don't know how things work in the I noticed. Like- <laughs> Apparently, neither do the guys who threw like the Molotov cocktail that it worked or the grenade that yeah. exploded like the Molotov cocktail. So future, future 90s, future 90s. Creed is leading this pack. He's still as nasty as ever. And as the protest closes in on Beast, he tells Alec and Carly to get away because they're after him and not anybody else. So those two, they, they get the fuck out of there. And Beast fights the rest of them off. Yeah, and the 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 way that Beast is fighting is, I would argue, for being attacked, very composed, which is an important factor to to his arc throughout this episode. Yeah, because Beast up to this point has been pretty much this. He he's always the most like logical one, you know. I think Beast also realizes his strength to an extent, and and if you just look at him and how big he is from like a literal size perspective mm-hmm. and how gracefully he's able to jump from like overhanging bars and stuff like that he has to be stupid strong mm-hmm. to be able to support that kind of weight so when he's picking up these shitty but normal sized humans mm-hmm. he can't unleash because if he unleashes he's going to like literally rip them in half you know this is not something I expected to be able to relate with, but there's one very specific story that I do kind of relate to Beast with this on. Now that you mentioned like not knowing his own strength, I'm not necessarily a traditionally strong person. It was put out there. I'm not a weightlifter or anything like that. But I can it, vouch. Yeah. <laughs> but in high school, I was in show choir. So you get paired up, you know, with your, your dancing partner and stuff. And I, she wasn't a heavy girl at all. Just, we were more matched on our, our, you know, weight and everything. And so there's a lot of 
picking them up and you know throwing them in the air and stuff and catching them and stuff. I'm really confused when you just said show choir and you're talking about dancing, but keep going. Yeah, well, that's part I, of a show choir. We we do choreography and stuff. So I I pick her up and throw her. And stuff. We do do that kind of choreography, and I I will take your <laughs> word for it. She either got injured or sick or something, and so I got to sign another partner who was several like weight tears down, like a very, very, very tiny girl. And I'm not one to really pay attention to my relative strength because I don't consider myself to have that. Did you yeet this tiny girl into the air rod? Into a light? <laughs> <laughs> On the stage? Granted, it's not that far up, but it was enough because I didn't even think about it. I was like, okay, let's throw. And I'm just doing the same thing I'm used to doing. And I've never considered like calibrating strength because I'm never the guy to do that. Because I did I played a couple sports, but I wasn't a jock. So all that to be said, I, in this one instance, I'm just taking pride that I can relate the beast on strength for once. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the Rodcast version of this same story without it being related to beast. Yeah. So we, the, I think the cops show up, yeah, and they, they yeah, they cops show up, up and it just kind of shuts the situation down. Then we cut to the mansion. Wolverine is losing his shit because the Friends of Humanity attacked a hospital for the blind, which rightfully so. Yeah, an aspect of Wolverine which we have not seen to the fullest extent yet is the berserker rage. Mm -hmm. And I would say Wolverine getting as angry as he does outside of a combat situation is kind of like that first inkling of like, oh, he could really lose it. Yeah, we haven't seen him actually angry yet. No, the closest we've probably seen was in the season one finale where he locks himself into a room with the Sentinels by himself and is just going off and loses his shirt is probably the closest... Yeah. But, but we've, he, we've not seen Wolverine unleashed. But he was still calculated because he like kept Gambit off to the side and stuff. So he, he expresses his, <laughs> try to put this nicely, he expresses how much he wants to like kind of take care of that situation. He wants to fucking murder <laughs> them, Rod. And Gene is, it comes in and is like, hey, maybe not because we're the X-Men. Yeah, and she reminds him kind of like the X-Men creed, which I believe he's the one that says it of, yeah, the X-Men never seek revenge. And Gene says, well, we need to figure out how to approach this delicately, which again, Wolverine essentially says, yeah, we'll respond with it delicately. And if we don't figure out soon, I'm going to kill them. And then Gene's like, where the fuck is Professor Xavier? Which... (laughs) We see for the first in like literally three episodes. We have not seen this yeah. in the in in the show, not our show, because we combine part yes. twos, and that's why two weeks ago was probably an hour <laughs> plus episode. And we see Xavier and Magneto in the swamp, assumingly after their encounter with Amphibious. No, 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 Barbarous. Barbarous, yeah, yeah. I'm losing the us names. Yep, and they almost immediately get caught in like a net trap. Amphibious, who you oh. love, there. It's the most annoying voice. What do, you, what do you want? He's supposed to be like a pseudo snake <laughs> reptile guy. They never have good voices. They, yeah. The whole thing is their voices suck, Rob. No, no he, he brought, the voice actor did a great job of being annoying. So that, that was the goal. Like he's not supposed to be a good guy. You would have liked him if it was reptile's voice. <laughs> and he once again reiterates they have a new ruler. That's like the one thing we keep getting hammered every time we meet a new character in the Savage Land. Right. And, and just in case you missed the context of it, in previous episodes, it's because Magneto 
played a part in the creation of these mutates and was the leader of the Savage Land for, for a time frame. So it's kind of like a little bit of like a keep twisting the knife on Magneto of like, you don't control us anymore, bro. Mm-hmm. And a mystery for us, because I think in real time when this originally aired, this has been a couple months that we just don't know. Right. So if, if we're on. on at this point, episode 10 of this season, that means it's been two and a half months of them in the Savage Land. Yeah, just teasing it. And and like you said, we haven't seen them in almost a month. Actually, more than that, because we did have a break during Christmas. Yeah, the holidays. Yeah, there was a holiday break between the Time Fugitives episode and the last episode. So Magneto and Xavier are on this raft with Amphibious and these other random goons. And and they have their hands tied behind their back and, and they're restrained. And of course, you know, you have the guy who's a master of magnetism who doesn't have his power. Mm-hmm. And then you have the other guy who has mental powers who doesn't have his power. So what are they going to do? Summon bees again. <laughs> so not bees, but they get lucky in that these two like dinosaur things, which I don't know if they're supposed to be like plesiosaur, like, you know, Loch Ness monster style creatures, or they're just like really violent brontosaurus yeah they're kind of like amorphous dinosaurs or like you know have you seen that theory where like the loch ness monsters is actually just like a whale penis so a whale penis <laughs> distracts a whale penis with jaws distracts the boat and they they hop into the water they escape to shore they undo their restraints and then they run away we cut back to wolverine he's in street clothes he's in an alley it's kind of sports question rod oh no what hat is wolverine wearing I did not recall at all. I I noticed there was a logo, but I thought it was generic. Well, it probably felt generic because it was a letter. Okay. And it was an A. I don't remember that. It So very similar to in the first season, we had somebody with a Detroit Tigers hat where it was the letter D on the hat. That would be the Oakland Athletics, and they just switched the color scheme again. Uh, I would never have guessed that. That is a baseball team. Yeah. I just want to clarify. I Okay, I didn't know it was a baseball team, but also it's hilarious to me that there's a sports team called Athletics. Well, they're the Oakland A's, which is short (laughs) for the Athletics. That's still hilarious. Right, but that's also like, they didn't have creative, like, why is Tiger better than Athletics, okay? I mean, I I hope there's another team called Sports. (laughs) Don't go there. Don't go down that route. Anyway, he starts like fight clubbing and just like making a lot of noise and beating himself up. That's a really good description of it. He's, He's like thrashing and stuff but he's yeah he's making it seems like he's getting jacked up not anywhere near as bad as fight club yeah yeah and and at first i thought he was just trying to make noise but then you see like he's actually trying to injure himself uh, as much as roperine can injure himself and finally he he makes enough noise to get the attention of the friends of humanity that come out the back of the veterans hall established yeah, this location. Yeah, we we realized this is the same veterans hall that he he knew where it was because this is where he saved Jubilee previously. Mm-hmm. So it's probably that same alley where he busted out the door with like his rolling charge. Oh with, yeah. And then he was that the episode where he called Jubilee fat? Or no, that no, was that the bubblegum episode. And, and that was that was was that Gambit? Yes, you're right. Was this, this was the spot where he said, you know how much bubble gum I had to sniff, sniff to find you? Yeah, once again, sounds dirtier than it really is. Yeah. And he, so he acts like the mutant attacked him to get inside the FOH. Obviously, like, you know, they sympathize with him. And we come back to Beast. He's at the eye clinic, but Alec has to confront him and says the hospital board doesn't want mutants around for the safety of the patients. Yeah, they're worried about the safety of the patients. And Beast, for the first time, not just Beast, but anybody in the series, I believe, actually says the word bigots. Yeah, at 
first beast protests and said, well, the work we're doing here is going to be more important than catering to a group of closed-minded mm-hmm. bigots, essentially. And then he opens the door and we see Carly's dad, who is actually a bigot. Yeah, straight up bigot. <laughs> and I think we, it's kind of anonymous, but we think we we are to assume he's yelling at the board and stuff. Yeah, a board or at least a, a member of the board in the hospital mm-hmm. that he doesn't want his daughter being treated by a mutant. So Beast goes to say goodbye to Carly. Which I did really love this aspect of it, where Beast walks in and she immediately knows it's it's him. Mm-hmm. And it's because she could recognize his aftershave. Does Beast shave? Probably uh, like the cheeks and okay. stuff. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Think, think about it like, like, that, like your dog. Like he's very, like it's peach fuzz, but it's smooth. So okay. like think about little shitty dogs that if you let their facial hair grow out, then they just like are big tufts of hair okay. everywhere. I, could, I guess I could see that. Let's go with that. <laughs> And so he I, I, or super clever, funny writing by the Lee Waltz. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and we get the impression that Beast is getting ready to come clean that he's a mutant. But Carly is like, no, I just because I'm blind doesn't mean I don't know what's going on, which is pretty hilarious. I don't know if it's just like good insight from the Lee Waltz, whoever wrote the episode or they did have someone like kind of comment on this. One of my really close friends in college, Kevin, if you happen to be listening, he was, he was blind from birth and he- What up, Kevin? Constantly had the same issue where people just assumed he didn't know things because he was blind. Like I remember me and my you know college girlfriend, we'd be in arguments and Kevin would be in the room. And then later she would try to like, not represent a situation accurately. And Kevin would be like, that wasn't how it was. And she's like, how do you know? He's like. I was there, and because I'm blind doesn't mean I'm fucking deaf. <laughs> like it's like I heard what you said, and I was like, "Go, oh, yeah, yeah, man." <laughs> so I got that vibe from Carly here. She's like, "Yeah." So every time I hug you, I notice that you're covered in fur, and yeah. also that you're like eight foot tall. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's reasonable. So that's cool. That's it's fine. Then Beast kind of gives her a story about he ha- he's going to be busy during the time she's getting her surgery. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't want to tell her that he can't be there because he's scared about her safety. It's I just have another, he kind of gives her the impression that there's another patient or project he has to work on at yeah. the same time. Which I guess is viable, but also this is a, I, I don't think they still do this in a lot of shows and movies, but this was a trope, especially at the time that I hated when someone would lie about a situation. It's like, just tell her the truth and things will be fine or better than they were, they will be. <laughs> have you met real people, Rob? <laughs> I guess not. Yeah. No, you live in Los Angeles. You haven't met any real people. Hi, Joe Russo. Yeah. And Joey Russo. Joey's not listening to this. Joey's not listening. <laughs> Joe, definitely listening. So Beast doesn't want to drag out this this moment. So he turns around, he starts leaving. And once he's out of earshot, Carly starts crying. And she kind of mutters under her breath that he was the one she wanted to see, which is a super sweet moment. And, and it, it's extra sad because, you know, Beast obviously has feelings for her but he has no idea how she actually feels at this point and he probably just assumes that she doesn't care for him because of his you know condition or not condition like how he looks and stuff right or just the chance of just knowing a person you're not guaranteed to that they're gonna like you just because they know you too yeah yeah so we catch up with beast at the x mansion he's going through like a family photo album yeah it looks like he brought his album with him and it's it's pictures of him growing up over time and I got a little bit of a vibe of what they were going for years later in X-Men First Class, where Beast is kind of like changing over time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, big dude, big dude. <laughs> where it's not like, it's like he had a mutation, but it wasn't as obvious. And then all of a sudden, like at one point, 
it triggered and he starts to develop the fur over time. Like he doesn't have like the big poofy, like pointy hair and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It got there eventually. Yeah. And this kind of answers our question from an earlier episode of like, when did beast kind of manifest? And we get that idea as like late high school, probably. Yeah. Or at least that's the the vibe I got to. Yeah. And he proceeds to throw the photo album and it lands at like the base of the stairs. And instantly I thought he could have tripped Jean. Oh yeah. Cause she shows up trying to be nice, bringing him food. She's like, I thought you might need some snacks. I didn't connect. The- okay, let's remember that because that's that'll connect later to this episode. Gene brings him snacks and he doesn't eat it because he's sad. But this is the first time that we see Beast like lose his shit. And yeah, it ends up they have a little bit of a conversation. It, she's checking on him and he proceeds to break the mirror, which yeah. is an epic change for beast and he's he's obviously very emotional and he breaks down and you know asks why he can't be normal and he he reveals there if we were suspicious before he point flat out says that he's in love with carly or he has feelings for her. b says the world was so much easier when i was just consumed with my work and everything else is too dangerous he, he doesn't have when he was just obsessed with his work he didn't have to worry about putting innocent people at risk mm-hmm. because the only other people he was with were the ones who were also inherently at risk by also being mutants. Yeah. So he doesn't want to drag in like innocent people. Exactly. In situation. And Jean, in her sage advice, says, why did you talk to her about it? Which is what I was saying earlier. <laughs> no, Rod. What have I told you? <laughs> and also... This is something I've learned. Even even my ex-girlfriends have had better advice for me w- about other women I've dated than any guy in any situation. Well, they know what you fucked up in right? the past, too. <laughs> but just, they're, they're like, listen, talk to the girl. That's actually the advice. Is yeah. Listen. <laughs> yeah. They're like, listen, talk to the girl. Meanwhile, my buddies are like, yo, man, like, get, get some NFTs or some bullshit like that. I don't know. Something. Buy like- her a ring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, get engaged. That'll fix things. Anyway. Healthy relationships. Right. So, Gene <laughs> gives Beast good advice. He's like, why don't you communicate? Yeah. Uh, which I can firmly get behind. If you don't know me, it's one of two tattoos I have in my body. Is the words communicate on my arm. Very important. And Beast takes his advice in a different direction than I thought. I thought Gene saying, like, talk to her meant, like, maybe call her and tell her the truth. Beast just literally shows up and does the thing he said he wouldn't do. He shows up at the surgery, <laughs> which I guess was happening that day. Yes. Well, we knew it was happening the next day. Oh, the next day. Yep. So Beast is at the, the post-surgery. They're getting ready to cut off Carly's bandages, really serendipitous timing. And um, Well, he, he knew what time the surgery was scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> he was going oh, to yeah. be there. And, so. he, and he developed the surgery, so I guess he would know how long it yeah, would take. Yeah, he should know. Okay, it's going to be about 45 yeah. minutes. She needs <laughs> to keep the gauze on for another 35. And then magic eyes. Yeah, I was going to say miraculous recovery because same day. Dude, car- cartoon logic. It's, right? it's, it's, it's the thing that adults have the hardest time with, and that's why we're dead inside. <laughs> but the moment that should you know, break anybody that actually still has a heart mm-hmm. is, you know, Carly removes the bandages and Beast is the first one in front of her and her reaction is, you're beautiful. It's a really sweet moment. And he's obviously pleased that she's not freaked out. Yeah, Dr. Alec is there and he, he gives the great, well, like, well, what about me? And I believe Carly's response is like, well, he obviously has a better racer. That's a great Full House moment. It's a very Full House moment. <laughs> it's, it's a very wholesome moment. Yeah. Which unfortunately gets interrupted by Bigoted Dad coming back in, which 
one shit dad for not being there as the as the gauze is being removed but then proceeds to freak out and scream at beast you know calling him a disgusting mistake of nature so real real chill guy <laughs> and yeah so he's he's super angry beast and- and at that point is when Dr. Alec actually steps up too, saying if it wasn't for for Hank, your daughter would not be seen. He yeah. essentially gives the credit of, I couldn't have done this alone. Yeah, without his help. And, and then Beast leaves with a, a, a quote that you were really connecting to. Yeah, it was cool because we saw Beast return to like his logic and he he's just calmly tells Carly's dad, like, let's leave this as a day of joy. Carly can see you again. And then he just quietly leaves. He's in the hallway. Dr. Alec goes to try to talk to him. He's like, no, you should stay or whatever. And Beast is like, no, I should go. And he's like, but can you give this to Carly for me? He takes out like a very like, you know, stereotypical cartoon gift box and gives it to Dr. Alec. And just as soon as that happens, we hear like blasts and explosions or fights or something. Yeah, there's a commotion that pops up and they run back into the room and you see that the dad is knocked out, the nurse is knocked down, and there's four humanity written across the wall. Mm -hmm. So it's very clear at this point, the friends humanity have attacked again. Very efficient. This happened very quickly for so much stuff to happen. Dude, they jumped through. I'd imagine this is where they were on the first floor, not the second floor room that they jumped out of in the earlier part of the episode. And we, we come back from commercial and Beast wakes up Carly's dad by throwing a bucket of water on his face. Which is the <laughs> second time this has happened in this recording session. Yeah. Carly's dad's still blaming Beast. I still don't agree with Carly's dad being bigoted, but I, I understand why he's upset because he just got knocked out and then woken up by water. So we cut over to the Friends of Humanity Veterans Hall location or whatever. Let's just out of respect to veterans, let's just refer this moving forward as the Friends of Humanity headquarters. I hate, I feel bad associating veterans with the location of these trash bags. So so Friends of Humanity, like not the mansion headquarters. (laughs) Yes, the the public headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. And Wolverine is talking to Creed and he introduces himself as John Logan. Right. And this is the first time we've heard an alias for for Wolverine. It's just kind of interesting that they would choose to use a part of his real Real name. name. Wolverine, not the same as Batman when he disguises himself. Batman, way more creative secret identity. (laughs) My name is John Batman. Oh, is it? (laughs) Well, now I need to look up what the fucking name is, Rod. Batman, secret, or no, it's not secret identity. Oh, I was going to say like Bruce Wayne. (laughs) No, Batman disguise name oh matches malone i was not aware of that 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 is something that he created when he needed to like pose as a common criminal okay so what's <laughs> ironic is established at this time within the comics within madripoor which everybody now knows about because one falcon and winter soldier mm-hmm. two because they said it once in moon knight and everybody automatically thinks that that means moon knight is tied to falcon it's and winter soldier it's like it's literally it's a fucking world that's like me saying chicago yeah but anyway wolverine does have an alternate persona and that persona's name is patch so if you ever see images of wolverine and usually it's a white tuxedo jacket Uh and then a single eye patch over one eye that is his alternate persona was there an action figure of that i believe so back in the day that that just triggered a memory i didn't remember i had that's what i'm good at i'm good at (laughs) i am great at triggering people (laughs) And, Not memories, just yeah. people. <laughs> and Creed and John Logan just basically talk shit about mutants for a while. You know, Wolverine's trying to gain Creed's trust. Right. And and Wolverine is basically trying to 
get Creed to confirm just the level of how much of a piece of shit he is. He gets him to say like, what are we gonna do? You know, exterminate him like the rats they are. Mm -hmm. And the closest thing that Creed will give him as a response is like, well, I wouldn't ever say it in public. And I did, very, I did very exaggerated hand motions as I, <laughs> as I said that. Pretty it, sure the Creed it, in the show did the same thing, though, because of the, he, the animation. He, without winking at the camera, he winked at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we have this, like, really cool Wolverine using his head moment where he goes, Creed, I, I knew somebody named Creed, like, 20 years ago in the coal mines of Kentucky. And Creed kind of, his armor shows like a little bit of a kink in it for a second. Mm -hmm. And he goes, no, I was in Canada 20 years ago. Yeah, and confirmed. Yeah, and then Wolverine does the the aside that only works in in TV or or stage and such, where he goes, yeah, so was I. It's like, well, he could clearly still hear you. Yeah, you are definitely within earshot of this man, (laughs) that you were the only one in the room with him. So he definitely could hear you again. We give concessions Cart- for creative content. Cartoon logic, yeah. I mean, th- I mean, this is that's like playwright logic. That's not yeah. even specific to cartoons. And so, Beast radios into the war room and finds out from from the car. Car, yeah. Yeah. Which, which is, you called it like a walkie-talkie. It, it looked car. like a walkie-talkie because around the time when this came out, so this was early '94. This was mm-hmm. like so. This was written in '93. I don't remember having a car phone in a vehicle that my fa- like a family member or even a friend of the family at yeah, that point. I think that was just like high end business, right? That would have like a car phone, satellite phone, or something. Well, I would remember in the at one point in the '90s when you had a car phone installed in your car, it was literally installed in it's your car. Like they literally were like drilling into your center console to install yeah, this. Thing. It was more invasive than putting a new stereo in. It, it actually was because yeah. you had to like literally make holes in your car. Mm-hmm. I only ever saw it on TV. I wasn't rolling like that. Uh, but yeah, so Beast communicates with Jubilee, Jubilee, Cyclops, and Jean to find out the location of where she ran into the Friends mm-hmm. of Humanity. He lets them know that that's where Carly has been taken. And as they're about to leave the war room, Wolverine with impeccable timing, <laughs> who's calling from another walkie-talkie within a closet. Yeah. Yeah, he's literally like behind jackets and stuff like that. And he says that he's there and that he needs them to bring a portable Cerebro projector with an old buddy's file disc. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And meanwhile, Creed is interrogating Carly because this is how evil this dude is. He's interrogating a girl to his knowledge, probably still thinks is blind. Or at the very least, was literally in the hospital a couple hours ago. Yeah, just 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 because her doctor was a mutant. Yeah, and also also even the best case scenario is that he knows that she had li- just recently gone through surgery and kidnapped her and is interrogating her. God, they're trash bags. Right. He goes as far as saying that anybody who's associated with the mutants must be exterminated. Then in another part of the building, Beast is sneaking in and he's fighting just random Friends of Humanity goons and working his way through the building. He is definitely fighting in a very different manner Mm -hmm. than how we've seen him fight. Like, not to say that he's going full feral, like he isn't going like Wolverine level, but he is not holding back the way we've seen him in other fights. Like to talk about knowing what his strength is, He's kind of letting loose a little bit. Yeah, he's not pulling his punches like he did earlier in the episode. Exactly. 
and Wolverine is still wandering around and he finds the room that Creed and Carly are in, but is being guarded by two random friends humanity goons. Luckily, all the ruckus that Beast is causing gets the goons to run away. So Wolverine literally cuts the door with his claw to to come in and he walks uh, in and he, he gives the quote, oh, it looks like my new friends are meeting my old friends. Mm-hmm. And this really is the, really indicative of this episode is like a lot of worlds kind of clashing. Yeah. In one place. It, it's revealed to to Creed that, you know, his buddy John Logan is not yeah. a bigoted trash bag like he is. And you get this like really great dig that that Creed wants to like no sell, which is Wolverine saying what? Uh, Daddy's boy doesn't like claws. And of course, uh, you know, Creed is is denying this. And there's also a mention to a familiar look. Wolverine referring to himself, again, trying to trigger Creed. Yeah. Wolverine's a little bit out of character. This He's like just really strategizing and stuff. He's strategizing and he's actually playing mental manipulation. Yeah. It's not even just like, how can I be subtle and sneak in? Like he's actually, he's damaging Creed in a way that his claws could not damage him. Yeah. Because it's, 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 it's the long suffer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> the long suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Suppressing like book title. I'm never going to write it. Somebody <laughs> else can take that. So they fight Wolverine, Freeze Carly. Right around that time, Beast shows up, but he passes out. He's like the daredevil at the end of that long hallway fight in the Netflix series or the Disney Plus series. Yeah, that sounds weird to say. Disney no, Plus. No, it's fine. Dare, daredevil series. It's still technically the Netflix series. Yeah. But yeah, he, he basically makes it to the door and passes out because he has knocked everybody uh, yeah. out who's made it his way. Yeah. And so Wolverine, you know, knows that they need to hurry up. So he Carly can walk. So she's fine. Wolverine picks up Beast, which is super impressive because I know Wolverine's strong, but Beast is always literally double. He's Wolverine double his size. size. Absolutely. And then Wolverine decides he need, Beast needs to cut down on snacks. It's like we're just shaming each other. But I thought it was really cool to say that early in the episode, Beast did deny the snacks. That's what you were referencing yeah. earlier? Okay, fair. I, did, I didn't put that together until we were just talking I through. didn't put it together ever, Cause, so. Because Gene was like, you need some snacks. And he was like, nah. And then later on, Wolverine's like, you need to cut down on snacks. But Beast is not conscious to tell him, like, I did deny the snacks earlier. I don't know why that's important. It's a funny, it's a random thing to come full circle. In a single episode. <laughs> so they're, they're walking out and there's like a little bit of like a somber version of the music staying. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, Rod, you're, you're the music guy. So yeah. I'm sure you picked up on that. And they get surrounded. They get surrounded. And Wolverine basically says, you know, bring it on joy boys. Mm-hmm. Specifically use the phrase joy boys. And if I'm going to go down, I'm going to take a bunch of you with me. Yeah. So weirdly enough, we both have <laughs> context of joy boys. Because I heard that and I instantly thought it was going to be something like 90s offensive that you can't say anymore. Joy Boys was an improv radio show out of Washington, D.C. from like the 50s or 60s. So you just call them like comedians or something? I I think that was what I got out of it. Yeah, like in the context, because it was like, oh, that's a weird choice of words. But it's like, you guys are a bunch of jokers. Yeah. So my thing is where I went to college, the freshman dorm for guys was called Joy Hall. And I think it's because whoever sponsored that building, you know, names or whatever you want named Joy. Yeah, I think his last name is Joy. And so all of us who lived in that building were called the Joy Boys. And now it doesn't sound as right. But at the time, it was kind of funny because, you know, like freshman guys in college for the first time, like whatever trouble you get into is like, oh, those are the Joy Boys, you know, stuff. I'm sure people who didn't live in that dorm had much more negative stories about us, but we had fun. (laughs) So at that point, you get the arrival of Cyclops. Blows a hole in the wall like normal. (laughs) Yeah, just 
never checks to see who's on the other side of the wall. <laughs> but he arrives and alongside him, you get Jubilee and Jean. They set up the projector. I, I like before Jubilee turned the projector on, she was like, whoa, Wolverine's using his head and Beast is berserking. Yeah. Which same, same Jubilee, We you're still our eyes. And the projector starts to give kind of like the 1994 version of Wikipedia about Sabretooth. <laughs> I didn't that, think about that. Is that a fair breakdown? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like top level overview of Sabretooth and proceeds to say, real name, Graydon Creed Sr. I didn't I didn't remember the senior part. So I was like, oh, okay. So Creed's, the Creed we know's full name, I guess, is also Graydon Creed. So that makes it like more Yeah, they, they, they specifically dropped senior in there, mm -hmm. which proceeds to make Creed freak out because he's like, you know, the most anti-mutant, but he literally shares blood, blood with yeah. the mutant. Yeah, so he he's like totally freaking out. You start to see body language out of the the friends of humanity who are around him. And again, I think we, we talk about this so much about the show, but that's where the sophistication happened. Mm -hmm. How many shows can you remember from that era where somebody would have said something and it wouldn't have only been communicated in body language with their distrust of Creed. Yeah. Like they would have they would have hit you over the head of how obvious where six or seven of those friends of humanity would have said why yeah. they don't trust him anymore. Yeah. You would have heard, oh, he's probably a mutant too. But yeah. the the show refused to talk down to us at that point. Yeah. And that and that's why. You know, I've looked back at certain cartoons that I have really fond memories of, and then I watch them and I can only watch for like five minutes because they don't age for somebody who's who's grown up. You know who that was for me? It was Captain Planet. I, I believe that. I remembered it a lot better than it actually is. You go back and rewatch it, they're kind of hard to watch now. I, I got access to some episodes of King Arthur and Knights of the Round. Oh my God, yeah. And wow, it is atrociously bad. I guess I could picture that because what a football team that gets transported back in time. Dude, I didn't get to the point where the football team got brought back in time. <laughs> I like the toys a bit. The, I mean, the toys were cool, but like the makeshift He-Man world that they were living in mm -hmm. did not age well. I can imagine. Yeah, but this obviously does. So Creed is just having a breakdown while everybody else gets away because the building is kind of crumbling now because Cyclops blew a hole through it. And, and they kind of... they. You know, we, we, we joke about they don't lock up people mm -hmm. for stuff. They kind of don't need to here because it's going to do more damage to let the Friends of Humanity lose faith in their leader rather than what are they going to lock them up for? How are they going to prove that these were the guys who kidnapped Carly and, yeah. and such? Yeah, it was the death of the theology more. It's very like American History X kind of, you know, the thing where like if instead of trying to kill the figurehead, you could try and kill the ideal and then or yeah. prove that the ideal is false. And yeah, and if, if, the, if the ideal is ruined by its association to the figurehead, then who are, who's anybody going to follow at that point? Yeah. And then uh, we cut to Beast walking Carly home or somewhere on the sidewalk. Just getting away from the Friends yeah. of Humanity uh, appropriately. And he has to break to her that they can't be together for her safety. And she's obviously really sad about that. But yeah, there's there's too much fear and people despise his kind. And he kind of gives the someday, but not mm -hmm. today. And he literally wipes away her tears. And about that time, Carly's dad drives up and gets out. I was actually waiting for another yelling match. Right. But he his I don't even say to his credit, because at this point, if you haven't gotten it, then who are you? Yeah. He, he thanks Beast for, you know, everything. 
Yeah, and and they have the the moment to end the episode, which kind of like makes you choke up a little bit. Where it's like, what can I do? And Beast kind of says, "This is this is it. This is the beginning. This is the beginning. Yeah, yeah. this is a good start." Which fares like treat me like a person. <laughs> yeah, and and that final line, the the Leewalds talk about where it's a small thing, but it's a real thing. Yeah, as opposed to something that is just performative. Treat humans like humans, people. Yeah, exactly. And again, a 3D printer knows that yeah. they're fucking humans. So and, yeah, that doesn't just apply to the cartoon show. If you're in your real life, just treat people like people. Mm-hmm. So some fun facts. Let's talk about the title of the episode first, Rod. I don't get it at all. <laughs> So, Rod, when you hear Beauty and the Beast, what do you think? And I will add to the context of the loaded question, Beauty and the Beast from Disney came out in 1991. Oh, okay. So, it it was already kind of in the public lexicon and everything. I was going to say, when I hear Beauty and the Beast, I automatically think of Angela Lansbury as a teapot. I mean, that's fair. (laughs) And also uh, a meme that our mutual friend Brock Baker made that went viral. Where he's like, I was just, con- I was wondering where this uh, clock was getting ready to like, fuck somebody up with a baseball bat, like hiding behind the thing. It's really great. <laughs> I've seen so many websites rip his tweet. That seems, that seems right. <laughs> Shockingly, has nothing to do with the Disney version or even the classic story of Beauty oh, okay. and the Beast. It is actually in reference to Charlie Chaplin's 1931 City Lights. I. I wish you could see my mouth is like on the floor. I don't know what that means. Like. Yeah, but the story revolves around showing a side of somebody that you haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, obviously with with Beast, that is showcasing his unleashed. Yeah, it's going berserk. That yeah, makes sense. whereas up to this point, the dude has literally been falsely imprisoned yeah, and maybe. never let loose. Yeah. So, wow, okay, that surprised me. Yeah. I learned something today, too. And, and one of the reasons why this story works so well for Beast is, you know, we, we've talked about this, especially in reference to the Morlocks, where you have the mutants who could pass in everyday life. You know, on the main team, Gambit wears his armor everywhere. Yeah. So that's just weird, but that's a, that's a fashion choice. Yeah. Rogue has kind of crazy hair, but it was in the 90s. So, yeah. I mean, by modern standards, nobody would even think twice. Yeah. But Beast can't go into public and pass unless he's wearing a trench coat and a hat and even then (laughs) and even then i would argue he's not passing it's just people people don't look up yeah yeah very clark kent yeah we have what is it we have the sentinel rule with people don't look up we have the gambit rule where they they always wear their yep you always wear your stuff anywhere you go and we have the beast rule of people don't pay attention if you're in a trench trench coat. coat yep which arguably that should be more suspicious yeah <laughs> especially like that was the whole thing of like if there was like a dude walking around in a trench coat it was like oh don't look in that direction because you're gonna see some shit you don't want to see I was gonna say, that's, that doesn't happen very much anymore does it that was a very much like a very 90s you one. have not driven through hollywood sir i i have but maybe i'm just not the demographic that the trench coat guys are looking for <laughs> to be fair i don't think they have a demographic <laughs> <laughs> wait he wasn't spider-man he told me to be Spider-Man. In addition, from a fun fact scenario to this episode, the name Dr. Alec Bolson, the real Alec Bolson is Alec Bolson Leewald. Oh. It's one of his his kids. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of pressure on the kids. A lot of pressure on the kids. <laughs> yeah. He walks into a room at seven years old and they just go, doctor. And he's like, stop doing that. Yeah. 
So you you better go to college for is it ophthalmology? Is that where you do eye surgery? Sure. I, I let's let's eye, eye clinic doctor, <laughs> whatever that is. Oh, I love that. I love I love that. A cartoon from. Here's the thing. We could probably tweet them and ask what he does for a living right yeah. now at this point. He's like, it's not an eye clinic doctor. Please leave me alone. <laughs> Stop asking me. You nerds won't leave me alone. But then the final fun fact about names. Remember how a few episodes ago, I asked you if the name Creed meant anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. So in the show, they switched Sabretooth's name to be Graydon Creed Sr. In the comics, his name is Victor Creed. Okay. And the reason for that was so there was no ambiguity to the fact that it was a father-son relationship. Oh, so they want to make them both the same, the senior and junior. So that way it couldn't even be like, oh, it's it's not my dad. It's a different it's person. Creed, yeah. But you have a name as distinctive as Graydon Creed. Yeah. There aren't that many Graydon Creeds. There's like a handful of John Carls that spell their name the same way I do around uh-huh. the country. One is my dad. <laughs> oh, you're a junior? I'm a junior. I didn't know that. I yeah. about you today. Yeah. So, Rod, any... Final thoughts from you about this episode as we wrap up this recording session. <laughs> no, I'm probably going to get tacos after this and then sleep. But other than that, this is a pretty straightforward episode. Really sweet. And I'm glad we got to see Beast kind of, you know, I feel like all of us, we have people in our lives who are like, you're too calm for the shit you go through. Nobody has ever said that to me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I'm not saying I have, but like by people that I know that are like that. And so it's nice to see Beast, you know, after spending about one and a half seasons, just being chill he's like okay yeah it's okay to you know to, 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 to express how you feel you know so it was nice seeing that agreed so thank you guys for joining us and if you have any thoughts feedback comments please make sure to drop them into either the comments for the youtube upload of this the official instagram post the subsequent reel that rob will make sure is awkward as hell and if you liked what you heard we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. And like Rod said, treat humans well. Don't be shitty to each other. Because otherwise, we're going to blow up your shitty headquarters. (laughs) We're not going to blow up anybody's headquarters. For legal reasons. Yeah, we are not (laughs) actually blowing up headquarters. But Cyclops might. Cyclops totally will.